Broadcasting from the Prairie Sportsman Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. <clears throat> We're not just a radio show anymore. Heck yeah. This is Sporting Journal Radio. Well, I feel like we should have some Christmas music or something playing right now. Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thanks for tuning in on this station right here by downloading the podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast or maybe you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, that's Dan Amundsen right over there. Hey. We should put like a Santa hat on you or something, I suppose, but <laughs> no. Who's giggling over there? Well, we've got David Eckhart in the studio with us. Finally back hello, in hello. studio. Ladies and gentlemen, David, how you doing? Doing good. All right. Thanks for uh, joining us, and thank you for joining us. We got a lot to get to. It's Christmas, uh, so we're going to look back on the, on the year and uh, talk about some of our favorite moments of the last year, and then also get uh, some updated fishing reports. We got Joe Henry's going to join us from Lake of the Woods to talk about ice and snow conditions up there at Lake of the Woods. We'll recap our Alaska trip too, um, David. So I, I had a few people that were. They would see some of the stuff we'd share from Alaska, and they'd be like, oh, that's so cool. And then we'd have a few people that are like, quit showing me this stuff. I'm <laughs> sick of seeing it already. What did, where did you sit in that camp? Oh, I wanted to see all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you're still showing me pictures. I'm like, oh, cool. That's what you saw? Like, I watched a, a clip from you last night, and there was a seal in it. I'm like, oh, they saw seals. I never heard about that. Seals, sea lions, sea otters. We saw a ton of wildlife. And we might even show you, uh, the, if you're watching this, we might even show you a little teaser of our trip to Alaska coming up this week. Uh, so stay tuned right here. We'll talk more about that. And uh, and also, you guys did some fishing. I didn't get to go because I was working on some of that Alaska stuff. But uh, you guys did some fishing, so we'll get some fishing reports from you guys and talk about how it went. I did do some pheasant hunting. I got some bad news for pheasant hunters out there. And, and really, it's for wildlife all over uh, at least Western Minnesota. Uh, probably some bad news. We'll talk about all that coming up in a little bit. But first, Dan, who are the sponsors this ah, week? crap. Oh, forgot <laughs> about this part. We're going to make it up on the fly. Right, good. Let's find out. Onyx Hunt. Know where you stand with Onyx. Okay. Lake of the Woods Tourism. <laughs> Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital. Plan a trip for this winter at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Live Target. Match the hatch with Live Target. Be sure to vote for the Ultimate Frog in the FTEX voting. Haybell Heights. Campground and Resort on Devil's Lake. Book a trip to Haybell Heights at haybellheights.com. Al Claire. Check out what we're wearing in our ears. We got in ear monitors. Protect your ears with Al Claire Outdoors. Otter Tail Lakes Country. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. Prairie Sportsman, the new season starts January 2023. Otherwise, watch episodes anytime at the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel. That's pretty good. Also, Riverbend Resort this week. And Riverbend. I think I forgot about them. Yeah, riverbendresort.com. We're planning a trip up there this winter. We're going to do some ice fishing uh, with Paul and Brandy and the guys and girls up there at Riverbend. We're excited to get back up there to Lake of the Woods. And then uh, we're also going to be doing our spring trip again, our big old party that we had last year in April. I love it! Yeah, Rainy River. Uh, So make plans in April. All the details about that party will be coming up here soon on uh, on Sporting Journal Radio. All right, why don't you guys talk a little bit about fishing? I'm going to go let my dog out since obviously she needs to go outside and <laughs> All right. she's letting us know. See you later. Um, we right. went, well, we went fishing yesterday. Um, it didn't go very good. No, the, the bite was pretty tough. We yeah. saw a lot of fish, but yeah. they, they did not want to bite with this weather front coming through. Yeah, it was cloudy and snowy and kind of windy by the time we wrapped up. We ended yeah. up somehow in South Dakota. Yeah. That was unplanned. That was a kind of a on-the-fly yep. call. How many people just pack up and say, we're going to South Dakota midway through their fishing excursion on another lake in Minnesota? Well, I mean, we were halfway there already. Well, kind so. of, but <laughs> still. Like, oh, we're in South Dakota now, but yeah, the, the wind, and it was gross. Let's and just as, say that. As soon as that sun started to disappear, it got bitterly cold. cold yeah i was glad to be i see what you did there it was <laughs> <laughs> it was i was glad to be gone but yeah you didn't miss much yesterday no. brett well so i just want to say something really cool so we got these Claire's. it's a studio three triple drivers that we're using it's like in-ear monitors basically a lot of musicians wear these and we're using them to, to film and obviously record this podcast and then i went out and bought some some wireless transmitters and receivers and I actually walked all the way outside with my dog just now, and I could hear you guys the whole way. So uh, if, if any I know we have some people that do some filming that watch this show, might be kind of a neat option for you. If you want to know more about it, let me know. But it was a funny story. Like, 
I wanted to fish with you guys yesterday too, but I had some work to do and Dan wasn't sure. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go. I got the work done. I'm going to go fishing. I'm like, all right. And then we thawed out some venison steaks. So I was like, well, I'll cook some steaks tonight. I'll be good. And we'll see what time Dan might be home. And I got a, I got a snap from you guys and, and it was just Dan stuffing his fat. What were you eating by the way? It was Cinnabon, Cinnabon <laughs> cinnamon rolls. You can't go wrong with Cinnabon. You, if you, you, you know where we live, you know how scarce a good cinnamon roll is. You don't turn down a cinnamon roll. Where did you even find it? At Cinnabon. In a gas station, big yeah. truck stop. Oh. I don't want to, I don't want to say where, cause now people are going to figure out where we went fishing. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't want that. Uh, so I, okay. So I didn't know, cause I figured you guys were, I thought you went to a Casey's or something and well, I would have had pizza then. Yeah. So I was, <laughs> I was like, all right, well, Dan's, Dan's eating there on their way back. And that was like early afternoon or mid afternoon or something. And a couple hours go by. I'm like, well, I'll see. I'll just pull him up on snap maps and see where he's at. You know, see if he wants to do some fishing. Yeah. You were in a different state. Like, <laughs> okay. Two hours away. They're not going to be home for a while. So, but, uh, anyway, uh, it sounds like I didn't miss a whole lot though. That's what you said. Fishing wasn't that good. No, it was slow. Yeah, How was the ice? Thick. A lot better than we expected. We could have drove a four wheeler, could have drove a truck on some of it. We just walked out cause mm -hmm. we weren't too sure just to be safe and spud barred, used the spud barred, walked out about a hundred yards and drilled a hole and it was like 14 inches and we just laughed. <laughs> well, but <laughs> this is plenty safe. And that being said though, I mean, we found out that there was a snowmobiling accident that somebody went through the night before mm. in one of the spots we ended up. Yeah. So still use caution wherever you are. Yeah, you no know, ice is it's, safe. It's inconsistent, I think, but we just happened to be on some pretty thick ice. Right. But uh, still, you know, especially with the wind and storms we've had, you got to be careful out there. Conditions change on the fly this time of year. As people on Red Lake found out a few weeks ago, and uh, other people are unfortunately finding out in some sad ways. Well, you guys got some reports, too, that the ice was uh, not that good on that lake. Right. And so when you saw 14, obviously, you were pretty surprised about it. But that was a big lake, and on different parts of it, you had different ice conditions. So, And I had heard a report on the same lake the day before a spot, big spot had just reopened. Hmm just a few miles away so this is why i don't ice fish early and i know this isn't necessarily <laughs> early ice. it's still kind of early ice but not necessarily but it's still early ice for me yeah personally but i'm, I'm too busy pheasant hunting uh yeah <laughs> but i'll tell you what i walked through some sloughs and uh there was a little bit of slush but it felt like it was almost like slush on top of ice type slush right uh and then i walked across some water i was still scared to walk across the sloughs yet but I walked across a couple and it was pretty good ice there. But um, did when you guys went to the, the second lake, did you find similar ice conditions? Yeah. There was even more ice there. Oh. We were, we were, yeah. were cold on yeah. augers. Yeah, and, it took a while to drill mm -hmm. holes. Yeah, hold we, were, we also weren't on the main part of the lake. Right. We were in a little bay. So could be different two miles out, could be different four miles out. And right. you just don't know. We don't know. We didn't get to cover a lot of ground. We're not that fast walkers <laughs> or fast walkers. And it was cold. We had a lot of clothes on. <laughs> yeah. How much snow was on the ice? Not a lot. A lot of it's blowing off. Yeah. That's the nice thing about this wind that the lakes are not as snowy as people would think because it's blowing right off. So it's drifting up in other places, but we yeah. hardly walked through any snow on the first lake. No. And they got dumped with snow a week ago or whatever. Yeah. So it's kind of nice, actually. I think it's hard on the shorelines where it's yeah. drifted up. There's not as much ice under all that blanket of snow, but the main main body is solid. Well, yeah, because a trunk a truck went through on another body of water we know yeah, along the shore. Slew, yeah, yeah. So, oh really? Still sketchy. Yeah, I didn't hear about that one. Five feet away, there was 14 inches ice. Oh geez. Hmm. So spud bar, spud bar, spud bar. Yep. Yeah. Slowing so suits. When you do that, David, when you go out there with a spud bar, like how many steps are you taking before you're whacking the ice again? I'm hitting every other step. Hmm. just giving her every yeah. just like in a rhythm yep just kind of walking and punching and yeah hoping it doesn't go through yeah jeez. float you got a floating suit on though i do yeah do you guys did you guys have ice picks with them too i've got some yeah i don't know where mine are i can't find them <laughs> did you buy some yet dan yeah i own some okay but i just don't know where they are you didn't have them last year did no, you? no i had them last year i remember oh, yeah. i wore them goose hunting one day <laughs> <laughs> that's a story for another time but yeah well, I, I just don't know where i put them they're probably in the metaverse. Geese are closing <laughs> probably this weekend, aren't they? Ooh, no, probably after Christmas. I honestly, I don't know. We've got midweek next Christ week. It's yeah. midweek. Okay, like twenty eighth or something. Yeah, uh, we should know that, but yeah, we haven't goose hunted in like three weeks. There's so. no geese left. No, are they all gone? I mean, is everything frozen up? 
I, obviously, the, we've been gone for a couple of weeks. The dam was so. still open, but there's like 20 birds. Okay. That's like half much of them are sick. Those are our birds. Half Those of are them, our birds. <laughs> half of them are sick. That's what somebody told me. They didn't look real healthy. Oh, really? Yeah. The avian bird flu yep. deal? Dang. Uh, geese, uh, December 28th. Yep. Nailed it. For Central and South. North closes uh, December 23rd. I didn't know there was a different date for uh, for geese for the for the different zones. Yeah. A couple of days earlier. Well, they don't have... Why would, that, we, why would that be? Well, because I think you're, you have the same amount of days, but they don't have the split up north. That's true. I guess. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, so that's an extra true. Five days an extra for five us. Days I forgot here. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. I, I should know that. I'm, well, you hunted up there. I I don't. Gonna, well, when I hunted up there, we were done before Thanksgiving every year. <laughs> yeah. And it just freezes out. That's what happens. So You guys got on a pretty good hunt. Um, that Was that your last hunt uh, before we went to Alaska? No, Alaska that would have been Clark. Or which hunt are you talking about? Or the one, know. the one we've got clips loaded in from? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was my way of trying really... to introduce these. Clips. Well, I don't know because <laughs> we went on a good hunt before Alaska, but the one we were going to talk. Well, you weren't on that one. Oh, I, guess. I was not either no. one. No, but David was on one. That was that was it, early. That was before pheasant opener. Yeah, but that was probably my favorite one of the year. Right, that I mean, was one of the first cornfields that came yeah. out. Oh, that's what this clip is from before. Yeah, this yeah, okay. yeah. Fluffy corn. It's a goose hunter's dream. Fluffy corn, good hide, layup lines. If you like hunting out of layup lines, which I do, and geese doing it perfectly. Yeah. It was, it was a blast. And conditions lined up. It was kind of fun. We hunted with a couple guys that I'd never met, but you kind of I knew them, yeah. And we teamed up in a way, and I think some of them said it was the best goose hunt of their life. And yeah. That's, that's always fun to hear. There's some friends of my dad's, and... And, you know, they, dad grew up goose hunting with them, you know, when it was a one bird limit and they were happy just shooting their one bird. And even now with five birds, they're still, you know, they've never probably limited out in that way. You know, they'd be happy just shooting one. Yeah. Isn't it funny how, when you hunt with an older guy like that, who hunted back in the old days when it was like, my dad will talk about when he grew up hunting, there weren't geese really in Minnesota hardly at all maybe just a few in Rochester, maybe Hutch. And then uh, he'd get tingles like like down his down his spine yep. if he heard a Canada goose flying over. And now it's like, you know, people are getting attacked on golf courses <laughs> by him, you know. But you talk to some of those old guys that can only shoot one a day, and then they see what we can do these days, and their minds are blown by it. Right. Especially yeah. decoying them close like that. And that, that first clip you showed where they were just, they didn't even hesitate. They just dumped like, the, those two just dump straight down. Yeah, don't we even were landing birds. Yeah. And it's like taking a, a a kid hunting for the first time. Yeah, again. even yeah. like an older guy goose hunting. It's, it's seriously like oh, yeah. it's the same feeling almost. And that's that to me, and that's part of what made this hunt special. It's probably my favorite hunt in Minnesota this year. For that was obviously conditions were perfect. It lined up great, but part of it was just that feeling of these guys got on a cool hunt and we were able to be a part they of that. They just kept going, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't believe it. And you know, and we'd shoot six, seven out of a flock for five of us or more, or yeah. have a good rain out for a fall hunt. Yeah. And they just, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Yeah. That's, it never gets old. That's, that's the fun of hunting with new people and, and, and then like they've that. never run big spreads like we do now. Right. Well, the, back then it was a lot of pass shooting, I'm sure. Or yeah, either they'd put, you know, 12 shells out. Magnums. Yeah. It's all good. And <laughs> yeah. So old, old the, wooden we're goose setting ball. up and he's like, what, how, what are we putting out? I'm like, well, I've got 10 dozen silhouettes, you know, in the back of my truck. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 10 dozen? Really? I'm like, yeah, we're putting them all out. <laughs> and then we had some full bodies on top of that. Yeah. So we had a we had a night, you know, for a feed, a good spread. Oh yeah. Nothing special to goose hunters, but right for it's not people who've never seen it. Four hundred full bodies. No, no, like running a snow goose spread, but well, was, can't wait for that. And you were definitely on the X, and probably birds. That it was earlier, right? So yeah. probably not too pressured. I'm no, guessing they were they were pretty dumb. They they read the script just right. Ah, so. I love it. I yeah. love it. There's nothing better than decoying birds close like that, man. Yeah. That, that's the best part. And I'm sure that's, you know, shooting them is great, but I'm sure what, what was so fun for them was just seeing them. Yeah. Come in feet down like that at 10 yards. Well, and then the other thing landing. too, like they, they always, you know, if they call at all, they just, you know, do a few clucks on a flute. Oh, the old and we flute. had three, the other three of us, you know, are proficient at calling and reading birds and we needed four birds to go to fill out our limit. And a four pack of migrators came over and, that's we this just, four here we're yeah, watching. We just oh, laid dropped. on them. Oh, those were migrators even. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. We just poured the coals on them and they spun around from like a half mile and came 
Yeah, they, they kept trucking, and then yeah. it's like, whoop, yeah. on a hook. And just <laughs> drug them right into 10 yards, and yeah, they, they just couldn't believe it. <laughs> the last, it was perfect. We needed four. It was the last four. We yep. were able to get all four, and it was perfect. I like watching that film because Tony Crotty filmed that, and they landed right in front of him. And I think he was call- either you or him were calling the shots that day. And I was calling him. Yeah. And you yelled the, the call, and he's still filming. So I see him like go, "Oh crap!" Put his phone down and have to jump up and shoot. And I thought we were well, those, lose one. They kind of split, so those two kind of landed yeah. off to his left, right. and he was on the left side. So none of us really had a shot at him except for you. Yeah. Right next to him. I, we needed Tony to shoot if we yeah. wanted both of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I shoot. <laughs> but that that was definitely a highlight of this fall, and it's uh, it's fun to sit back at the years ended and relive some of those memories. Right. So I we we just got done editing the Prairie Sportsman episode from the pheasant opener, and that was definitely one of my one of my highlights. And I'm sure I know Dan, you don't pheasant hunt as much anymore, but that was a pretty wild pheasant hunt for you too. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. and that was like right after this hunt. Yeah. So that was a kind of a fun week. And you'll be able to watch that. We we shot our four birds. I think it took 13 Don't minutes. Give it away. Oh, I'm sorry. We sh- we shot them very quickly. <laughs> Wait for the Prairie Sportsman episode to come out, and then you can watch it. And you know, I know you guys have been fishing, and I'm finally starting to get my fishing gear out. I got this new live scope that I'm I'm getting rigged up finally. I'm really excited to use it, but I usually don't get excited about fishing until after you know until we get to January. When bow, usually I'm still bow hunting this time of year. Thankfully, I don't have to sit in a stand right now. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you met first time in oh. a while. It was like this last year, and you were dragging me out to hunt. Yeah, but it wasn't this. <laughs> uh, it wasn't this it was cold. Close. It was cold. It felt like it. It wasn't this cold and windy for one thing. Right. Uh, Next and, week looks nice though. Yeah, I, do you? Do you? I you, still have a doe tag in South Dakota. Okay, so. you're gonna get out there. Yep. We'll try and get it filled anyway. Well, I'll tell you, like I, I'd almost rather be bow hunting than pheasant hunting right now. And you'd, I mean, you'd have to break my legs to get me not to pheasant hunt the last week of the season. <laughs> but I've been out a couple of times this week, and the amount of heavy, wet snow that we got is is bad news because a lot of the cattails are full. You know, I found I flushed a couple of birds from some cattails that were buried in there, but I think I I think I pushed them in there and then they tried to hide and then I walked up on them and, and flushed them out. But they're in the they're in the trees, they're in the willows. Even like half the willow thickets are filled in with snow right now. So you got to find them in the pines or even some of the groves. A lot of times they're in the groves. And if you've been driving around um, pheasant country here this last week, you've been seeing groups of them out in the ag fields scratching, trying to get down through that snow to get to the food. They look like geese feeding. Yeah. They'll lay down and melt the snow like a goose. It's kind of wild. And there's that many of them. It looks like a goose feed. Right. Yeah. And that it's cool to see. Like for somebody that likes to see wildlife or see pheasants, it's kind of neat to see that that spectacle of all those birds out there but it means bad things it means they they're forced out there it means they're they're desperate to find food uh so and and then i broke through i don't know how many packed hard snow drifts that i had to crawl try to crawl over and then you get on top of it and then it breaks and you fall in (laughs) but there was one snow drift i went through that was chest high like it was it was a big drift to get through so if you're if you're one of those guys that uh likes pheasant hunting in the grass (laughs) and and doesn't even like busting cattails you're done you're done for a year uh i'm even like i've been limiting how much i go and even my dogs like uh taking it easy on them because it's it's tough out there. And if we don't lose some of the snow, like when we came home from Alaska, Dan, uh, what's the first thing we noticed walking up to the doors? I've got this, I don't know, some kind of bush next to the door and it was almost flat to the ground buried in snow. And it's, you know, it sits, I don't know, three and a half, four feet high or whatever. It was almost flat to the ground because that snow was weighing it down. So the corn, the corn, like standing corn that's out there, corn food plots. If you, how are your food plots doing right now, David? I haven't been in them lately, but I'm sure they're flat. Yeah. I, I, you know, thankfully I got one of the food plots here is kind of protected a little bit. And and I saw tiny was running through there pretty good. And I did see some pheasants in the corn this morning, but there's a lot of snow in the corn and a lot of the corn is knocked down. The cattails are full. So it's, uh, it's going to be tough sledding for the, for the rest of the pheasant season for you guys out there. And that, that's going to be tough on the wildlife all winter. It's going to be tough on the deer because it's going to be hard for even them to get around. You hear about problems up North with deer and wolves when you got heavy snow years and, uh, uh, I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be the case this year, which, yeah. which thankfully, um, thankfully, I don't know if thankfully is the right word for it, but I saw the DNR this week put out a new wolf management plan 
and I was trying to sift through it because it's like 67 pages long. Oh, wow. And it's for the next 10 years. You can see it, uh, Sporting Journal Radio. It's on the website, right, Dan? Yep. Sportingjournalradio.com, and uh, we link to it on our Facebook page. I, I sifted through it just to try to see what they said about the hunting seasons, and it was like a couple of pages worth of hunting information. So I didn't get through all of it, but what I, what I did look for right away was what their goal. I tried to find a management goal population, and it was like 1,600 wolves. And they said, you know, we're way above the the goals that the Endangered Species Act wants. So we got a healthy population. I think they said the population is around 2,700 wolves right now in Minnesota. And they have somewhere in there. I don't know if I would call it their population goal, but they basically said something about 1,600 wolves. So I could see us having hunting and trapping being part of the management plan uh if available i don't even remember are we are they on the endangered species list again yeah. they are they did go back on oh yeah i just stopped caring about it because i was so sick of hearing about it but and it went back and forth there but if it were to come off again which i think it will they have a plan in place and i think hunting will be a part of that they so. have to review some stuff they're gonna they're gonna weigh the options and discuss it but like it's not automatic where if they come off we have a hunting season it's <laughs> correct it's uh it, it's not off the table but it's not on the table, it's not I guaranteed. Guess. It's not guaranteed. Yeah, it's on the table. It's not guaranteed. Well, it's just like yeah. what happened when they came off the endangered species list uh, a year or two ago or whenever that was now. Wisconsin implemented it right away, and Minnesota's like, ah, we're just going to sit back and wait. And <laughs> there's been enough yeah. buildings burned in the last couple of years oh, in Minnesota. Gosh. Let's just wait a minute before we enrage the public once again. I could right. see it being like two years where they would watch Wisconsin again, do yeah. it, and then see what happens. And then by then it might be too late again. Who knows? It's so hard to say it's all politics it's all politics. go vote please yeah. go well vote. bottom line is you need to have a pot you need to have that population under control and we got we have plenty of wolves the population is just fine it's literally just another tool from anti-hunters to try to get hunting banned in general they just know wolves are an easy target because because it's it's a it's not a white-tailed deer you know you're not shooting right. a bunch of wolves to feed your family or anything so it's an easy target for them that's that's all it is um but anyway, so that was a little bit of newsworthy stuff coming out of the Minnesota DNR. Uh, we haven't even talked about Alaska yet. No, and we got to go to break. All right. Well, let's do that. We'll come back and we'll talk uh, uh, our Alaska trip a little bit for you. It's ice fishing season and time to plan your trip to Riverbend Resort on Lake of the Woods. Stay at the Lakeside Resort along the Rainy River in one of their new cabins and enjoy delicious meals and hot or cold beverages in the Miles Lab Barn Grill. Or stay in one of their comfortable sleeper houses on the ice complete with a TV, stove, and lots of walleyes right beneath your feet. You also have the option of staying at their motel, the Walleye Inn, located in Bidet. Book your ice fishing trip to famous Lake of the Woods today at riverbendresort.com. That's riverbendresort.com. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. Looking for winter adventure? Might as well pick a place with over 1,000 lakes. Ottertail County, Minnesota is in the middle of everywhere, offers a simpler pace, and has something for everyone. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. All right, we're back. This is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thanks for tuning in on this station right here by downloading the podcast. You can stream it on demand at sportingjournalradio.com or you can watch us on YouTube. Thank you very much. That's Dan Amundsen right over there. Still here. And David Eckhart right over there. Still here as well. How you guys doing? Still good. Dan, what did you think <laughs> about uh, going up to Alaska? Is it too late or can we go back like right now, even though we just got home? It's, it's probably the coolest place I've ever been in my life. I know I'm young. I haven't been to a whole lot of places, but uh, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a place cooler than Alaska, especially Kodiak Island. My goodness. I wanted to duck hunt in Alaska. My, I think my goal originally was to duck hunt with mountains in the background in Alaska. Now, you know, I know that you can do that in a couple other places in the States, but I wanted to do it in Alaska. And sometimes, Dan, it was so surreal while we were there that, 
it didn't even matter. Like there would be lulls just like any other duck hunting. It was, it was a different duck hunting experience up there. We'll, we'll talk about a little bit, but there, there would be some lulls like anything else. And you'd sit there and you just look in front of you and there's just a mountain. It looked like a screensaver <laughs> yeah. for a computer. That's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> Except way cooler. It was crazy. And then, you know, we'd see, uh, sea otters and sea lions and uh and seals and that was one of the last hunts of the of the trip and all of a sudden this it was a seal came Mm -hmm. came popping up in our decoy line like i I looked off i was sitting on the right side and i looked off to the right and all of a sudden there's this big boil in the water i couldn't figure out what it was because i just saw the water mouth bass (laughs) i couldn't figure out what it was and i was sitting there staring at it staring at it staring at it and the tides would go up and down so much that a lot of times as the tide would drop just rocks would appear and there's always a little bit of current kind of moving through the water and whether wind or tide or or just currents in general but so what would happen is all of a sudden rocks would start appearing and you'd get, you'd see, bo- you know, like the water would be kind of boiling before that rock would protrude out of the top. So I'm like, ah, oh, it's just a rock, whatever. And all of a sudden I look in front and I see the boil again in front of me right by our decoy line. And here's a, a seal pops up. And as I see this little buffalo, it was a buffalo head decoy or the golden idea. I can't remember what decoy it was, but it was the first decoy in the line, like the closest decoy to us. And it looks and it's staring at it like, hmm, can I eat this? <laughs> And it was sneaking up to it. And Dan, I couldn't see where Dan was. And Dan was filming and I was hunting. So I wasn't sure if Dan, and everybody kind of froze and didn't want to say anything. And I didn't know if Dan was filming it or not. And no it was, faith in your cameraman. I didn't know if he could <laughs> see it. And so like it was creeping up on this decoy and creeping, creeping, creeping. So I'm like, I, I got a GoPro in my head. I'm like, I'm just going to fire up the GoPro and make sure we get this moment caught on some sort of camera. And it saw my hand move just a little bit, and all of a sudden it's kind of stopped and kind of backed up a second, and uh, and then ducked and swam away. <laughs> but it was pretty cool seeing that thing swim right up. And we'll either have the clip for you here if you're watching this on YouTube, and you'll be able to see it here later, or uh, you'll be able to see it. We, we filmed a whole show for North American Waterfall that you'll be able to see in uh, 2023, but we'll be showing footage over the next few weeks. We'll show some footage here on this show right here. What was a highlight for you, you think, Dan? Of 2023? or That hasn't happened yet. 2022 (laughs) or Kodiak or what? Yeah, Alaska. Well, I don't know. You asked me this question while we're up there, and I kind of gave the same answer of I hate that question because so many cool things happened and so many cool things we got to see. Well, let me ask you this then. What was the most unexpected part of the trip for you? You actually killing a duck? (laughs) (laughs) Also, also my most unexpected moment. <laughs> no, I, maybe it's just kind of how tough those birds are. Yeah. Obviously, we knew they were going to be tough, but they're tough. You know, we could decoy them, and some of them aren't the smartest. But, man, they to be able to survive in those elements, they, they, uh, they're they they pretty resilient. Um, boy, I don't know what was unexpected. Lots of feathers, lots of fat, lots of armor yeah. on them. They're tough birds. And I was kind of surprised, I think. I mean, I know the buffleheads played nice, of course. Like not they, Minnesota nice. Not as, no, you're right. Not They were a little bit tougher up there, uh, but I didn't realize how friendly the golden eyes would be. Oh, they love those white decoys. <laughs> and the barrows, like right away, uh, it, was the, it was the first day we hunted, but the second spot that we set up, because what we would do basically is we'd go set up on a spot, and then if if it wasn't working, if we were seeing ducks kind of buzzing around, because this is just a huge area, like a 25-mile area, basically, 25 by 2, that we were kind of bouncing around to different places. And if if ducks weren't really there, we'd pack up and move, move, you know, get in the boat and move a little bit and set up there again. And we moved to this one spot, and there were there were mallards there, there were golden eyes there, there were Emperor geese. Yeah, we saw some emperor geese. Oh, really? Which yeah. was really cool. Wow. And... Um, yeah, hearing that, I think hearing the emperor geese was definitely a highlight for me. That there we go. That was unexpected. I didn't expect to see emperors. Yeah, that was a pretty cool bird. I don't know if you've ever seen I've or heard any. Never heard of them. No, I have no idea what they would. They're even like sound a snow like. goose, kind of. Really, but not yeah. quite. Like that's what. Well, Gunner had seen them. Gunner, who's taking us hunting, he's like, they're either snows or emperor geese, and they turn out to be emperors. And huh. It's like, whoa, that's that's an you know like right. a pinnacle of waterfall hunting. And it was just like a group of 20. Yeah. And just a whole flock. Yeah. (laughs) Not just one. Yeah. And, and they had, so I, I had some DRC calls with, so of course I broke out, I think I had the, the snow call and I saw, I was like, I was trying to mimic, 
<laughs> Apparently I'm mimicking barking dogs when yeah. I'm trying to sound like an emperor goose, but I was trying to mimic the sound and try to call them over just to see them, you know, get them close. And, um, they didn't really come close, but they kind of get up and bounce around a little bit. But we, we had, we had two lines of decoys out kind of, we only had about 10 decoys that first day. So we had a group of like six and then a group of, or seven, I think. And then like a group of three that were kind of off to the side a little bit, but that close line, as the tide dropped, next thing you know, they're, they're literally like right next to the shore, hmm. this rocky beach shoreline. And the golden eyes would land almost on top of the decoys. Like they were, they were one foot off the shoreline, you know, <laughs> 10 yards in front Crazy. Well, at the beginning, 10 yards in front of us. But I think to me, that was, that was one of the biggest challenges of hunting up there is you'd set your decoys. And thankfully we had guys with a boat that could go out and get stuff, but we'd set decoys and they'd set them so close to the shoreline. I'm like, hey guys, we gotta, can we, can we find a way to move the decoys out a little bit? And I'm like, well, if you go like five more feet, it's 25 feet deep or, or, or 25 <laughs> fathoms deep. Oh yeah. They I learned, fathoms, learned what yeah. a fathom yeah. is. Yeah. Six feet. And then they would, or, you know, or you'd set them there. They're like, oh, I don't know if I'd say I'd I'd set them out like twenty yards from shore. I'd walk out there in waders. So I could set them from like twenty yards. And they're like, oh, I don't know if I'd set them there. I'm like, why not? He goes, well, because in about an hour you won't be able to walk to those anymore. <laughs> oh, and then they were right. We had to leave one spot. We had to leave them and come back with a boat to pick them up. Really? So it was uh, the tide was definitely a challenge out there for us. But man, what an unbelievable trip! Absolutely. Unreal. Very cool. What'd you do when we were gone, David? Oh, lots of stuff. But one of the the big highlights is a hunt we do every year with a bunch of high school friends, and it's changed over the years. But we do a, a rabbit hunt. Oh boy! And it's it's always a great time. We uh, this was the seventeenth year we've Jeez. been doing it. We started doing it when we were sixteen, just three of us, and now it's high school buddies mostly and then college buddies and just everybody wants to go on it because it's such a blast and we shot 79 rabbits this year <laughs> wow. we were 11 short of a yeah 11 11 short of a limit jeez which i don't even know what a rabbit limit is it's 10 10 okay and i i talked to a guy from wisconsin one time and because they i think they can only shoot three Hmm. I'm like, oh, we just shoot piles of them. And he's like, oh, man, I wish we could shoot 10. <laughs> he's like, we limit out all the time. <laughs> and these are all cottontail rabbits? Yep. And then we get, you know, squirrels and a lot of pheasants. Some years more than others, but I think we shot three. Three. three 79 rabbits and three pheasants. That's when you sent that snap to me. I just laughed because I was like, oh, three pheasants, <laughs> 79 rabbits. It's all snow dependent. Like if we yeah. would do the rabbit hunt now, we'd see a lot more pheasants in the groves, but we just push groves. And oh, sure. Some years we get 10 and some years we get one. But What are you using to shoot these things with? Just trap load and mm. shotguns. How about that 410? I used to take that. A lot. Now that you know how it shoots, do you take yeah. it anymore? <laughs> no. Well, I found out what it was worth, and I'm like, oh, I'm oh, not yeah. dragging that through. Yeah. <laughs> that grove, yeah. scratching it all up. But I I do have friends that use 410s. They buy the cheap over-under Stevens or just a kind of a beater gun. And it's, it's a fun hunt to use those different guns that you don't normally use. Like some guy's got 28 gauges and mm, 16 gauges. -gauges. And just something... I, my brother-in-law has a old side-by-side -side black powder oh. shot 12 gauge. Cool. He didn't bring it this year. Last year he brought it, but you could always tell when he had a rabbit in front of him because it was boom, 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 kawoom. <laughs> <laughs> You'd see a big puff of smoke in the grove. <laughs> We're like, oh, he had one by him. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, next week, maybe I want to ask you how much rabbit you've eaten in the last couple of weeks then and how you're preparing it and all that stuff because that's that's a lot. You don't get a ton of meat off a rabbit when you got 79 of them. We had like a five-gallon pail full of meat. <laughs> Did you? It was a lot of meat. Jeez. That's good meat too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like rabbit. All right. Uh, well, David, thank you very much. Yep. Uh, we're going to take a break and we're going to talk to Joe Henry and get a Lake of the Woods fishing and snowmobile report coming up here in just a second. For those of you watching on YouTube, here's a little teaser of our trip from our trip to Alaska.
dog blindness. Somebody said he's coming between us and the whale. Oh my gosh, ducks everywhere, boys. Something that make it a bad out here. Yeah. That ice there, man. I don't want you guys doing a slip and slide into the ocean. Yeah. Feeding on all these uh, kelp and all the mussels and everything in here. Come ice fish the famous waters of Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, the walleye capital of the world. Experience full service resorts featuring heated fish houses, ice transportation, meal plans, and sleeper house options. From the northwest angle to the south shore, Rainy River and Baudette, the Midwest's number one ice fishing destination. Walleye, sauger, perch, and northern pike, Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, best fishing anywhere. For more information, log on to lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Live Target, the leader in Match the Hatch, is back with new lures that also match the action. Introducing the Live Craw. The Live Craw is irresistible to bass, walleye, and other freshwater species. FTEX winner, the ultimate frog, looks and acts just like a swimming frog. With an exposed ultra point mustad hook and replaceable legs, the ultimate frog has two styles, two sizes, and eight colors. And ICAST and FTEX winner, the Live Shrimp, mimics a fleeing shrimp for saltwater anglers. Coming soon from Live Target. Ice fishing season is here. This winter, plan a trip to Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Not only will you have the chance to catch their legendary perch, but this year, Haybale Heights has been catching big walleye after big walleye. And they're doing it from a mobile, comfortable snow bear. No matter how cold it is outside, you're warm and toasty on the inside. Learn more and book a trip today at haybaleheights.com. That's haybaleheights.com. Well, it's almost here, the end of the hunting season. I'm not happy about it, but I am finally starting to get excited about ice fishing. I know you've probably been out on the ice many times. I know, Dan, you've been out doing a lot of fishing. And we're going to bring Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism on now to talk about Lake of the Woods. And, uh, Joe, not only am I getting excited about fishing, but last year we didn't have a whole lot of snow. I didn't really run my snowmobile much, but I, I think I think we got plenty of snow so far. Maybe I'll uh, bring the snowmobile up to Lake of the Woods this year, Joe. You, you know what? you and I have been on snowmobile trips on Lake of the Woods before, and you know what it's like, you know, uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's interesting, you know, between uh, the Lake of the Woods Drifters Snowmobile Club on the south end of the lake and then the Northwest Angle Edge Riders up at the Northwest Angle, man, these clubs up there, they work so hard, literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles of snowmobile trails. Not the, It's not a real cosmopolitan snowmobile area, Brett, because everybody's ice fishing. But I'll tell you, when we've had people up there, Jamie Dimon, for instance, mm -hmm. he remember we had him in the trail, and his comment was, holy smokes, these trails are awesome, and there's nobody on them. But, you know, these, these uh, clubs work so hard, made up of volunteers, and they work so hard, uh, dragging, the, dragging the trails first, trimming trees that have fallen on the trail, dragging them with tires, get them hard. It, then it comes to a point where you can start using the groomers, you know, working the swamps, making sure the swamps are properly frozen for the trail, um, making sure signage is up properly. I mean, just there's so many things that they do behind the scenes to make these trails doable. Now I'll say this, if you are a snowmobiler and you want to get off the beaten path a little bit away from the crowds, I'll tell you, Lake of the Woods should be on your radar screen. Not only is it so picturesque with literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles of trails, uh, you're going through you're going through wilderness. You you have the opportunity to go 42 miles across Lake of the Woods and access the Northwest Angle. Shoot, you could go up there and have lunch and and hang out. You could go up there and, and stay a couple nights and fish. I mean, uh, it, it it's it's such a, a, a not only is it recreational snowmobiling up at Lake of the Woods, but it's also it creates a transportation route across the lake. Allows you to get up to the Northwest Angle and avoid customs. I mean, 42 miles on a snowmobile on a snowmobile trail that's staked and groomed, heck, it takes you an hour or less. I mean, uh, 
depends on what you're pulling behind you, but I mean, it's nothing. Yeah. And it's a fun way to do it. And, you know, you brought up Jamie and Jamie's like me. I mean, uh, loves to fish. His snowmobiling is obviously a lot of fun, too. And the beauty of going up to Lake of the Woods to do it is there's all the all the trails that you can trail ride on. But if you want to do a, a snowmobile and ice fishing trip, I mean, what a better place to do it than to go than to go do it up there. And we rode we rode trails down at the south end, and we took that forty two mile trail up to the northwest angle, which is something. If you fish in Minnesota or ride snowmobiles in Minnesota, that's a trail. You, whether you want to fish Lake of the Woods or not, that's that should be a that should be on your list as a trail to ride, just because of how unique it is. And then there's some trails, of course, up at the angle. But the beauty of what we did, Joe, is we we went up there and, and rode, and then did some fishing while we were up there too. And the, the fishing was good. In fact, we left that one day we left Jamie in the trail. We had, we were filming for Prairie Sportsman, which is what you're watching right here. Episode of Prairie Sportsman. If you're watching this on YouTube, we, we still had a few things we had to film. We had a couple of shots we needed to get and, and riding through some of the more picturesque parts of the Northwest angle. I wanted to get that, that snow covered, uh, uh, like going through a tunnel of pines, basically, is that that epic shot of riding a snowmobile through a tunnel of pines up in northern Minnesota, and we got that. And while we went and did that, Jamie just sat in the fish house. It was around lunchtime, I think. He sat there and caught caught more walleyes than we did the entire time right there in the middle of the day. It's the way Lake of the Woods is, that stained water. You know, when they come through, they come through. And uh, yeah, as you know, Jamie's a pretty darn good stick, so I don't think we could have put a better representative in that yeah. fish house yeah. to take care of business. I know he was, he was filming himself too. He had GoPro set up and he was doing all the filming and, and it was like, he couldn't keep up with it. He kept catching fish. So, um, that's no building. That's no building trip was so much fun. And, you know, uh, um, part of it was going up, going up there and stopping and doing some filming along the way on the way up. Part of it was we experienced a, a day of 25 below zero. Yeah. Part of it was, um, the beauty seeing trails we've never seen before going literally up to the very corner the northwest the, the northernmost point of the contiguous us we went really right to the border um it was kind of fun uh, you had uh, dylan your videographer with it was i think his first trip with perry sportsman that was <laughs> unique for him i remember uh when, when we were when we were at the bar we were uh, having him experiment with different types of um uh let's just call them a hydration beverages yeah. Um, Duck but farts. I mean, the whole thing was just really enjoyable, <laughs> man. We fished, we laughed, we saw beauty like no other. Uh, we had those Polaris snowmobiles. They worked like a charm. I mean, the whole thing was just a fun, fun trip. Yeah. It was nice having those new sleds for sure. Uh, they were, they were fun and 25 below zero. We go and f- turn those suckers over and bang, they crack off. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's part of the allure of having a newer sled. It's also part of the allure of having multiple people on your trip in case something would go wrong with somebody's sled at one point. Yeah, for sure. There's there's definitely safety to keep in mind, and uh, having new sleds definitely eased our mind just a little bit ripping up there. And it was cold, and it was, uh, you know, it's we, we did get through it pretty quick, and it was Dylan's first, first ever filming shoot for Prairie Sportsman, so it was definitely an eye-opening experience for him. And the best, I know I've told this story a hundred times on the show, but the best was getting in the vehicle afterward on the way home, and he's sitting in the back seat. He's like, guys, what does frostbite look like? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, well, you know, it's his first, it's his first gig with Perry Sportsman TV. He's a, a young videographer. And what do you do? Hey, we're going up. We're going to Stonebill 42 miles across Lake of the Woods. It's going to be 25 below zero and uh, hang on. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> and he didn't hesitate. He jumped in head first. He did great. He did not have frostbite. I just want to clarify. He did not have it, but he was. Uh, well, but the other thing too was, you know, um, as a videographer and, and being a professional, um, making sure that uh, you know that the shots are coming through and the lens is clear. Yeah. You're going 25 below zero, and then you're stepping into a fish house, and you're—I mean, that's that's tricky with batteries, with you know, making sure the lens is clear, all that jazz. Lenses fog up so much on those trips. It's hard. It's not easy filming in the winter. An outdoor, I think Jim Shockey said at one time, an outdoor photographer is the hardest job. Uh, or like filming for an outdoor TV show is the hardest job in the world. And I know there are some occupations out there that'll uh, argue that, but it's tough. And it's, you got to get the shot and you're dealing with mother nature. You're dealing with wild animals. You're dealing with unpredictability. And then uh, going in and out, in and out of a fish house when it's 25 below zero, it's, it's tough on the camera gear. Bad don't last and the lenses fog up so fast that you almost you almost have to have a, a plan going in to have a lens ready that's not fogged up so if something happens right away you can make sure you capture it but i'd well, assume 
I would, I would say this. I mean, if people people that are living, if you uh, go and Google, you know, Prairie Sportsman TV, you know, snowmobiling to the Northwest Angle, I'm sure that episode would pop up. But you know, it, uh, it's it's one worth it's one worth uh, checking out again. I think. Yeah, it was a it was a fun episode to film, and uh, it was a fun experience. You know, there's a lot of cool things to do in Minnesota, and being able to to snowmobile all the way up to the angle across Lake of the Woods, and then fish up the angle. That's a it's a pretty unique outdoor opportunity that everybody should try. And I'm guessing with the amount of snow we've gotten this year, Joe, uh, it's probably a good year to do that. How are how are the snow conditions up there, and how are the ice conditions right now? Um, you know what? So the, the trail is staked from the south end of Lake of the Woods up to the northwest angle, both along the eastern border and western border. So that trail is ready to roll. The snowmobile clubs have been active. So things are shaping up really good. Yep, we got a fair amount of snow. Um, our ice is forming very nicely. We've been fishing since early December, as most people know. Uh, we're getting that ice is getting thicker and thicker. So, you know, uh, sleeper fish houses are out in some areas of Lake of the Woods. I'll say some areas because every area of ice is a little different. But, you know, uh, so so as that ice thickens, we're allowed to put more weight out there. And, you know, pretty soon, not yet, pretty soon, you know, the, some of the roads are going to open up to, to lighter pickups and, and that sort of thing. And then it'll, it'll progress from there. But, again, you know, when you're going up to Lake of the Woods, if, you, uh, if you're thinking about coming up and bringing your own fish house with a truck, just uh, – Take a look at the Facebook pages of the resorts, communicate with the resorts, and you'll you'll find out when that's going to happen. But, you know, we are on track, Brett, this year. Uh, um, things are shaping up real nice so far. You know, we do got some snow in the lake, but, you know, uh, um, thankfully those, you know, the resorts and outfitters have been plowing those trails, keeping the snow off them so they're getting nice and thick. And then, of course, you know, uh, um, it, what that does allows that, that cold air to penetrate. If you don't have all that layer of snow, it can penetrate through that ice and actually makes it thicker. Um, we always, every year we encourage people to stay on the ice roads, stay on the ice trails. You know, if you're going to go off the trails, you know, stay in the trail until, until you get out to the fishing grounds and uh, make sure you're communicating. Hey, is it okay if I go off to the east or the west off of a, of an ice road? And, and they'll tell you, yeah, you know, we have it marked off about a, you know, a half a mile off one side or a mile off another side or you know, just communicate, know what you're doing. Don't go you know, on your own, expecting that the ice is going to be consistent because that isn't always the case. Yeah. And you got to deal with pressure ridges and different things like that. So, yeah. I, you know, especially for all of them, for me, it just makes sense traveling that far just to jump in with a resort up there and they're getting some sleeper houses out. Did you say that? We are getting some sleeper houses out. Yep. So sleepers, sleepers are getting out there and, uh, you know, we got, uh, you know, I never want to say, I mean, people say how much ice is at Lake of the Woods? Well, zero to 14, 15 inches. I mean, you know, in some areas where there's neck down areas and different things going on, there's hardly any ice. And in, in, in other areas that it's more consistent where we got, you know, 12 to 14 or 15 inches. So, um, but again, lean on each individual ice road operator and they will tell you how their road is and, and what you what, what the weight limitations are in their ice road. That's that's just for safety. It's just too big of an area to make a blanket statement about our ice. And I would say that about really any, any lake. Um, even a smaller lake, you could go out of the public access and that trail is one thing. And if you come out of a, let's say a resort on the other side of the lake, that trail can be a whole nother thing. So just heat on safety. You know what I mean? So I saw an email, I'm going to try to find it here if I can, from the DNR about uh, catch and release records. And I think it sounds like by 2024, they're going to try to have catch and release records for, for walleyes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's Isn't gotta that be, cool? that's gotta be great news for Lake of the Woods. Well, it is. It's great news for Lake of the Woods because we have a lot of big walleyes. But, you know, it's also great news for uh, for, for people that are fishing in Minnesota. And you know what? Uh, I'm one of those guys that I have one walleye on my wall. You can probably see it behind me. And, you know, that walleye, the reason that's on my wall is 31 and a half. Cut it ice fishing up at Lake of the Woods with a group of outdoor writers from a glow. But uh, the reason it's on my wall is because after, you know, I caught it, it put up a hard fight, took a few pictures. I tried letting that fish go for about 25 minutes and the gills are, her gills are moving, her pectoral fins were moving in the hole, but she just didn't have it. I knew she wasn't going to make it. So I, so I mounted it. Um, but you know, the thing that is in most cases and every other case I've caught big walleyes, I've always released them. And I don't want to have to, if I ever catch a fish, that's so freaking big. It might be a record. I don't want to have to kill that fish yeah. to find out if it's a record or not. Let me have a tape measure with me. Let me have some understanding of what I need to do. 
Um, basically, I think what you need to do, and don't quote me on this, but you have to be able to measure the length, you know, and, and uh, pr- uh, properly and get some pictures of it. You need to measure the girth and get some pictures of it. You need to have an eyewitness. You need to fill out a form. You know, you have to sign an affidavit, all that jazz. And then they'll, they'll consider you for a catch and release record. Um, I would take a look at the the DNR website and uh, check out what, what you need for a catch and release record. Throw a tape measure you know, in your bucket and just have it with you all the time. You just never know. I mean, right already we have the potential for a catch and release sturgeon, muskie and pike. They've been in place already and we don't have catfish up north, but, um, but now when they start implementing walleyes and things, boy, you just never know on Lake of the Woods when you're going to pull that trophy out of the, out of the ice. And I can't find that story about the new catch and release records, but it was a plan essentially, I think, to set up a a program for what, 19 new species or something like that. And then um, implemented over the next couple of years, including some new ones in 2023. And then why, why they would wait with walleye to 2024. I don't know why, unless they just want to work out the bugs and uh, make sure that they got everything, everything set up right for when, when walleyes, but you think they've been doing it for sturgeon and muskie and flatheads enough that they'd have it figured out and pike. But yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. we've heard, we've heard of many, uh, quite, quite a few sturgeon, for instance, up North that probably were a state record, but people didn't have the, the proper tools with them to, to, you know, measure it and record it and such. So then they, they couldn't do that. But, um, many big sturgeon, uh, have been not, not only, caught and released that we think are state records. There's been a lot of big sturgeon caught this year uh, through the ice. Some, some on purpose, most of them accidentally by walleye anglers. Yeah, well, I want to talk about targeting sturgeon through the ice. We saw a video, I think Nicole Stone posted, reposted a video with Greg Jones uh, coming through the uh, with a sturgeon coming up through the ice here recently on social media. So let's talk about that. that. last year, I think. It was yeah. from last year, yeah. Was, that's, she, uh, she was reposting last year. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, catching sturgeon, but we'll do that next week. Uh, for now, Joe, if, we want, if people want to get a trip planned to Lake of the Woods, what should they do? Yeah, man, it's a, it's game on coming up. You know, check out our website. We have all of our resorts, ice roads, everything you need to know. And that is lakeofthewoods, mn.com.